Welcome to my Best 11 podcast. Today we are joined by Keita, who started his career at Luton, then went to a number of clubs, and just to name a few, Chesterfield, Northampton, Stevenage, Boston, Torquay, Rushton Diamonds, Kettering, and has also had Dublin management in um, the non-league as well. Today we are joined by Nathan Abbey. How are you, Nathan? Well, thank you. You guys well? Good. Very good. Very good. Marvin, another goalie? I know. I was just thinking that. I mean, Taddy obviously um, is like been around for a while now. And I was just thinking that when we were going through all the, the people we've interviewed, and I'm, I realised that they has to be easily goalkeepers lead it by the way. So I don't know what that, what that says. Maybe I had a, a good relationship with the goalkeepers and stuff. I don't know. That's because he was always getting you out of trouble, Moff. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. So, those people who haven't listened to the podcast before, what we do is we go through um, Nathan's best 11 players he's ever set foot on the pitch with. Obviously, for goalkeepers, it's a little bit different because we allow the goalie to be what the goalie is. But then they have to have played a professional game with them. As we go through, Nathan will try and give myself and Marv some clues and see if we can guess them. So when you're at home, have a guess as well yourself. See if you can work out who he is talking about. See how good your football knowledge is. So, starting off, what we like to do is just jump straight in the deep end. And you've dabbled a bit in management um, yourself. Uh, I saw recently you were at Bedford, his most recent one. Is that right, Nathan? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Bang on, that is my last um, management role, um, which ended year and a bit ago now. So what's your, right, what's your formation going to be for this 11 then? Yes. And has it changed because you've been yeah. doing a bit of management? No, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a five at the back kind of guy and uh, that's my go-to formation. It's one of those systems that not everyone likes, but if you know how to play it and you have the right personnel, it's a, it's a difficult one for teams to combat. So that's what my lineup's going to be rolls around today. So Tony, just quickly going into a question there. Would you... Would you would you then um, go with that formation regardless, or will you look at the players you have at the clubs you've been at and try and mould it into that formation? Um, I think if you've got clever enough players, Marv, they're they're good enough to adapt to that formation because you can play that formation in a number of ways. Um, so you can be ultra attacking with that formation, and you can all be ultra defensive with that formation. So. Like anything else, when I was managing, sometimes, yeah, you did have to change tact and maybe go 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1, see the game out, whatever it may be. Uh, but more often than not, in the latter part of my management, that was the system um, that I really enjoyed. And I remember it being at St. Neots um, with my brother at the time. My brother was the manager there uh, and I was his assistant. And we played that a lot. And we had just the right personnel that knew how to play that system. And people couldn't live with us. And as I kind of went through my own journey in management, I stuck with that formation because it was one that I really basically championed and one that I probably done enough research and done enough hours on the training ground to get the players oiled to know how to combat it and, you know, go and express themselves with it. So that's just a default formation for me. And I'm not scared to let teams know that's my formation. <laughs> that's interesting in itself. That you're not, you don't change. You like a very a Liverpool style rather than somebody else who changes depending on who you play. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, when we're even on a long league circuit, although we've been pros, we try to do it in the most professional mindset that we could, which obviously is a bit of a tough one with non-league mentality. Um, 
And I'm not one of those managers or even players that would said, you know, let them worry about us because we would do enough homework to see what their strengths and weaknesses were. But we just sometimes tinkered how we was going to play that system around their strengths. And obviously when we had the ball, then we played our, you know, I like to have a style of player or a pattern of play that's um, identified of how I play football. Um, and we just used that to our advantage and we knew how to defend and get in nice and tight and behind the ball when we was out of possession. Fantastic. So we will jump straight in with goalkeepers. You can give a couple of, if you want to, you can give some honourable mentions, um, either before or after you give us your main person and remembering to give us some clues on the way. Over to you, Nathan. It was definitely not Marv. I've seen Marvin go for a few vibes. Oh, stop. <laughs> you know I'm decent. He did, he, he did it on purpose. He did, I'm decent. You know that I'm decent. <laughs> I, will, I will say this, yeah. <laughs> I will say that um, growing up in my younger days, because I come into football on the side at a young age and without sounding like a twat, um, there was very few black goalkeepers around at that time. And it was one goalkeeper that I wish that I was, you know, a teammate of because he was an absolute idol and he kind of almost moulded me in a way to, to continue that journey as a goalkeeper and really see it through. And that was Shaka Hislop. Um, and he went on to have a fantastic career and, you know, even to the point where I'd emulate with my shirt hanging out. I just wanted to be like this guy because I thought he was a great kind of inspiration to me growing in. So I'm gutted that I can't have him on my side. However, um, I believe a, a lad that I've played with, I have the next best thing. Um, I can't give too many clues because I think it's a bit too easy for Marv on this, oh, on okay. this one. But, uh, okay, I'm going to throw someone in there straight away. I'm going to come out with Kelvin Davis. Correct. Tick. Yeah. Come on. That's right. <laughs> Good start, Marv. Good start. That was an easy one for you. No, it wasn't. Listen, you played with like, um, oh, we need Ben Roberts. There's been, there's been some great goal. You've had some good goalkeepers. One thing I'll say, my side today is based around sustainability in the game, long careers. And right. I think when I look at the other lads that you mentioned, Embo's, uh, Ben Roberts, Jürgen Summer, the list is end long. I think, I think Kelvin just had the best career um, out of the bunch from a young age. So we came through True. the system together, so I probably can relate to it a little bit better. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. And of course, you went on to to play at the top, top level. I mean, yourself, um, obviously at Luton is where you played a number of games. You played a lot of games at a few clubs and jumped around a few in between. Um, did you ever get the opportunity to play or to go and train and, and trial um, when you were a youngster at the Premier League clubs? Or, or later even in your career? No, I, I kind of come into the game from a professional aspect quite late. You know, you know the academies you go in as, as young as under eight now. Um, my son, um, he was at Luton from an under eight up until under 16, where I basically come into Luton Towns Academy, if you want to call it that at the time, um, when I was probably 15. Um, and Marv, you'll probably remember Paul Lowe. Yeah. I remember we had, a, we had a Luton school training um, day because our game was off and I remember him coming to look at watch us train um, when I was playing for Luton schools under 15s at the time and he was saying oh I really look I need a, a good under 16 goalkeeper so obviously me being me I'm like well you're looking at one so on that situation he was like I'll take your number and I'll give you a call pre-season to invite me in what have you 
So I, I so obviously went to the old yellow pages, found the club's number, rang not, speak to Paul Lowe. So look, you, you said you're going to invite me for troll and you ain't rang. And in fairness to Lowe, he said, I'll tell you what, we've got a game at Electrolux on Sunday, level up kickoff against West Ham. I'll play you then. So obviously I turned up, um, kept a clean sheet, saved a penalty. And then that's how I got into um, the football club. Um, it's, as honest, it's as honest as that. But even before I turned pro, I think we must have had about 15 goalkeepers come in to try and take the last white yes spot. So they weren't having me. Um, but obviously I saw them all off and then next minute I uh, signed a YT. And even when I went to sign my YT, I remember Terry Wesley calling my mum and dad in and saying, he's got Nick Webb behind him. He's got Kelvin Davis in front of him. If I was his parent, I wouldn't let him sign. And I said to mum and dad, no, 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 I've got this. And the rest was history. But Tanny, I mean, that's fantastic. But you're 16 then, but... I know you spoke about Shaka Hislop, but when, what age was it? Why, why a goalkeeper? Why not an outfield player? Was he, was he always a goalkeeper from the start, from the get-go? Nah, I used to play, and going back again, it was called inner left, <laughs> or inside left, they used to call it. So I was a bit of a left winger. You know the young Ree, where he just comes in and just finesses it in the corner? That was me. But um, <laughs> so I spent, a, I spent a lot of time playing outfield. And what age was this? growing up. Uh, this was at like literally from say nine to even 16, I was still playing out on field. So for the school or the county, I'd play on pitch. Um, but for obviously Luton Town and basically Luton Schools, I'd play in goal. Um, and it just got to a point where when we used to play, me and my brother in the back garden, he always used to sling me in goal. So I was used to diving around in the back garden. I just had to choose what I thought was my strongest position and that I might make a career of. And, and literally, I decided to run with the goalkeeping route because I felt I was a strongly, stronger, better goalkeeper than I was probably an outfield player. And that's the reason I, I went in goal. Excellent. That's really interesting. I love the fact that you persisted and you just run them up. That's brilliant. And, but it also shows that they do love persistence and personality. That shows when you said you just run up yellow pages and picked it up. But it shows that players or young people just need to just just put themselves out there. Just give it a go. You've got nothing to lose. What are they going to say? No. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's life. You got you got to have a bit of pizzazz about you and and a bit of oomph. And I suppose without doing that, uh, maybe my my life the way it panned out would be slightly different. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So we'll move off of goalkeeper to your. Do you want to do centre backs or wing backs? I don't know how you're going to play your five. Well, we'll do the back three first. <clears throat> um, Go on then, over to you. Centre-back, first one. Centre-back, um, massive leader for me. Always, as I've known him, being a, a captain. And the biggest clue I'll give you, I was probably involved with him at two football clubs. Two? Um, two football clubs. Captain? Where was he captain at? That might give it away, that, can it? That will give it away. But right, okay. he, had, he, had, he had the head the size of a helmet. Alan White. No, he had a pin in. Uh, uh, but you played, played Alan White at a few places. I played at White, yeah, Luton and at Boston, to be fair. So, yeah, I did play with Whitey twice. Um, I'm going to throw in, I don't know if it, I thought it, no, yeah, there's only been at one club, though. Shoot. Um, I'm, gonna trap I'm surprised that you ain't got this one, Mark. I don't know whether he was at Chesterfield. He's Daishi. Oh, yeah. No? Nah, that's a good shout, but it weren't Daishi. Um... Lewis Carey? No. He's a good... Is he is at one club, only not though, Lewis Carey? He's at Bristol, wouldn't you? See, I told you to do your research. Yeah, but... I, well, I, just because you said that name, he's the right of my three. Oh, <laughs> he went, he, he went my middle, man. 
but I'll have to give you that because he's my right and my free. So before you go, Lewis Carey, I think without obviously um, um, not over um, shadowing him, I thought uh, at my time Bristol City, he was an unbelievable centre-half for a centre-half that had no height. Um, mm. He was so brave. He didn't miss games. His timing, anticipation, sweeping and reading of the game was unbelievable. And I thought he was one of the top centre-halves, surprisingly, that um, I had the pleasure of being involved with. He was a top-draw centre-half. That wasn't my central centre-half, no, but he was a lot centre-half. Yeah. Lewis Carey's made a lot of teams. And I'm not a yeah. Bristol fan, or some, but he's made a hell of a lot of teams. And you say, is it just, is it... Well, obviously the quality, if he's not got the height... He was, the he was good on the ball as well, wasn't he, Tony? He was very comfortable on the ball, wasn't he? He was very good, two-footed on the ball. He he just had a bit of a calm aura about him. Um, there was never no panic. And I think, Marv, you'll relate to this. When you feel calm around um, players, especially in the defensive third of the pitch, it it's almost easier to work with. When you feel like you've got a nervous Nelly left or right of you, then all of a sudden you're kind of second-guess what they're trying to do. I'm trying to think of the captain. He said the captain... And he's at two clubs with him. I'm going to oh. go Steve Davis. Who? Correct. I was going to say Burnley. that. The big bear. But you know what? Why didn't you? Because why you in, in the research, I didn't have you down. When I looked, it didn't say Burnley. Steve Davis was just leaving as I got to Burnley. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You got one for you there, Marv. Yeah, proper proper leader, big Steve. Wasn't he? he was a yeah. As I said, he he had a great strike on him, great at set pieces. He knew how to defend, and he was such a lovely person as well off the pitch. Um, great guy, especially as a youngster growing up. He had always had decent words of wisdom and you know advice for you. Had a lot of time for Stevie. Yeah. I mean, coming through as a goalkeeper, it's a lot harder to come in as a teenager from a fan's perspective. You can see teenage goalkeepers; they either make it or break it when they come in six at nineteen twenty. How did Steve help that? He seems like the type of guy, like you said, that wouldn't always be just taking your part on the pitch. He'd, he'd help you, he'd nurture you, that type of thing. Also probably appreciate it's a goalkeeper's job. I mean, was that what he was like as well? Yeah, I think Steve had, a, he just had words of wisdom for you. He, um, he settled you down when you needed to be settled down. If you got outside your station, he kind of just said, look, come on. Um, he just kind of pulled you through. And I think you made a good point. I think, I kind of come through that era where it was very rare for a goalkeeper of my age to basically be playing any type of first-team football. Um, and when I think back to the likes of your John Roddies, your Richard Wrights, your Kelvins, it was fair. It was far and few between. They always used this word experience that kind of fell at that 24, 25 um, age category before you then got into 30, then you was really experienced. Um, so you did need your, your old senior players around you to get you through at times because at times it was a mental battle to try and keep yourself focused and, and also not get too despondent when you had bad games. Yeah. Perfect. And you reckon Steve Davis was awesome at that? I missed that. You, and you said Steve Davis was, was awesome at that. So that, that's great. Yeah, yeah. My, honestly, to, to, be, to be fair, not just saying it, Marv, Marv was good. I remember Mitchell Thomas. Or, to be fair, when I look at that old school, what I call the old guard of Luton Town, um, the youngsters were spoiled with good heads around us and, and they really did keep us grounded and uh, down to earth. Because I remember there was a time uh, and I've, Marv was in a side there where when I looked at, when I remember thinking back at the side, it was a real mixture of experience and youth. 
Um, so it was kind of it was clicky to a degree because the youngsters ha- hang around with each other, but the the the, the senior pros gave us all the um, respect and and I suppose guidance that they could along the way because we all needed each other at that time and we was all in the same boat. Yeah, I think we were talking to Julian Watch other week and he was saying that it was literally that dressing room was the young and and the oldies. There was very few in that middle section. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Awesome. So who's next? Lewis Carey and Steve Davis. Come on, love. Put yourself out. Come on, Mark. What you got for me? What's that? We we'll have a guess. My next one. Um, left, my left-sided centre half. Who have you got for me? Well, I mean, <laughs> to be fair, you, you couldn't have played with too many better than me. But I don't know if you could have put me <laughs> in there. I'll tell you that now. That's hundred percent. No way. I know that. <laughs> uh, Mitchell. Mitchell could play there. Mitchell could play there. Mitchell was a good. Um, but like left footers, I can't. I'm, I'm trying to. I can't really. I mean, I can't think. All my friends have got to be. Oh, we, no, that's true. That's true. Peaky, peaky. Ooh. Nah, not peaky. Um, both throws. I'm going to go. Clark Carlisle. No, nah. Did they play at Luton or are they somewhere else? They didn't play at Luton. Right. Okay. Oh, oh, I got it. Was he an international? Hey. Was he an international? <laughs> Who do you think it was, Mark? Who do you think it was? What? Who do you think it was? Um, Mark Williams. Is it Mark Williams? Nah. Nah. Uh, MK Duns? No? Nah. He's not an international then, whoever it was. Not an international. Um, Okay, give us some clubs. Go on. Clubs. He played for Macclesfield, definitely. Oh! No. Not... Um, big. Um, he also played. He also played for MK Dons. Oh, is he? Is he a centre half though, or is he a, a fullback? He's a centre half. He's a centre half. He's an out and out centre half. He played for. Do you play for Chesterfield as well? No, because you got to say Stephen Blaverwick. Yeah, that's who I was thinking. See, I'm on the right path, then, isn't I? I'm on the right path. Yeah. He played for MK Dons and Macclesfield. Macclesfield. He might have played Andrew. for Bolton. He might have played for Bolton, but I'm not sure that he did. You probably won't get this one. Oh, yeah, listen, I love it when people say that. I love it when you probably won't get MK Dons, you, you said yes. Enough. You ain't done enough research, Marv. You definitely ain't done enough research. Nah. I'm MK Dons. Centre back. Centre back one. I know I'm going to kick myself. I was going to go to my team. I know I'm going to kick my. No. Um. Dobson? Nah. Was he, was he at MK Dons? Yeah. You don't like Marv. Better than me. Oh, Jamie. You broke up there, Marv. No. You broke Jamie. up. Who it? No. Mm. Ben Chorley. No. Good shout. Chorley's That's a good shout. Honest and rough. No. Yeah. No, you've done this time, I think. Go on then, Danny. You got it. Danny Swales. Danny Swales. Shoot. Very tall. the name. Very comfortable on the ball. Very good player. Good centre-half. He, he was too cash and he, he made it look so easy. Um, great fella off the, off the pitch, um, but proper centre-half. Proper winner. And he swells. Mm. Excellent. I don't think I'd have ever got that. I know the name. I don't. I mean, I wouldn't have got that. No. Research. <laughs> Need to go back to research, man. I know the name. Listen, I, I, saw, I saw him, but I thought, like, again, I looked at him. And I looked at me, I'm thinking, nah, I'm not even put his name down. 
I might be fair. To, to be fair, you know, you know, I'll be your name, your name did come into my mind a few times, and then I started thinking back, and I thought, no, because the legs are going to be too slow. We're going to be constantly getting them out of jail, and I, I can't stand watching those Cruyffs. Yeah, you know that step over Cruyff that everyone fell for. Everyone was, fell for him. I, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with that. I just thought, no, 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 he's taking the mick. <laughs> Fantastic. So. Um, what we'll do is we're going to pause it there and then we're going to go for a break. And then when we come back, we will hear wingbacks, midfield and strikers and the, well, to make up the rest of Nathan Abbey's best 11. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, you can subscribe at My Best 11 Pod and leave us a five-star rating. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at mybest11pod. Email mybest11pod at gmail.com. Welcome back to the second part of Nathan Abbey's My Best 11. I'm going to hand straight over to Marv for Marv's quick fire 60 seconds. Over to you, Marv. Okay, Tani. VAR or no VAR? No VAR. Favourite other sport? Golf. Messi or Ronaldo? Ronaldo. Kicks or golden goal? PKs. Dinia. Penalties. Oh, PKs. Penalties. Okay. Best ground you've played at? Ooh, bloody hell. Do you know what? It's going to be a random one. Just for atmosphere when it was on its day, Millwall. Okay. I used to love going to the... I used to love going to the den. Okay. Save a PK in a cup final and win or win the Premier League? Premier League. Premier League all day. If you if you could play for any one team, who would that team be? Arsenal. If you could change one rule in the game, what would it be? That's a tough one, Marv. Um the new the new offside rule. And one more, Marv. Funniest player or teammate? Ooh. If I say who I wanted to say, it would give something away in my team, so I'm not going to do that. Um, oh, don't say that person then. Um, say someone else. Leon Knight or Jude Sterling? <laughs> They're two quite good ones, actually. <laughs> Leon Knight has a blast in the fire. And Jude Sterling, as well. Fantastic, fantastic. So we're going to jump straight back in to your right wing back. So, so far, we've got Kelvin Davis, Lewis Carey, Steve Davis and Danny Swales. So, right wing back, who have you got there, Nathan? I have to give you a clue on this one because this fella is not an out and out wing back or right back. Um, well, he's normally a winger. winger. He's normally a winger. He's normally a winger. I've got him. I've got him. Come on. Did you play with him at MK Dons? No, you don't have him. This guy was an, <laughs> ab- <laughs> this guy was an absolute match winner. Unplayable at times. Um... Winner, I'm playing. Give me what's some other what's some of his clubs? Some of not, not the clubs he played at with him, not the clubs with, with him, but some other clubs he played at. He played at uh, Reading, if I remember correctly. Reading, Ooh. I'm sure he did. I hope he did. Oh, um, huh? I hope he did, or I've killed you off. <laughs> oh, not is he small? Nah, he's definitely not small. 
And there's your clue. He's not small. He's big, tall, wiry. Can go inside out. I think he's put you on your ass a few times, Mark. To be fair. Oh, the, um, come on, Mark. Is it Londoner? Is it Londoner? I'm not sure about that, Mark. To be fair. All right, and I'm gonna say I'm gonna say um, Glenn Little. Yes, Mark. Yes, Mark. Good shout. I did not have him down as a white. Yeah. Glenn Little. Yeah, he's at the yeah. Palace. Good player. Yeah, and he has put me down on my arm. Glenn, honestly, Glenn was an un, unbelievable player. Sometimes he was literally unplayable. Literally. Good lad he was. Yeah. Stan Turner used to batter him. I remember Stan used to run after him at half time because he tried to take on too many plays. And literally, I swear on my life. <laughs> the, the referee would blow the halftime whistle and if I was on the bench I would literally sprint to the change rooms because I knew what madness was happening and, and, and Stan Turner honestly just used to just actually beat him up for the full half time it was fucking great banner pardon my language <laughs> <laughs> so, which um, obviously you've been in loads of dressing rooms and stuff was it a case that the older you got the more enjoyable being in a dressing room was because you got um, you could appreciate things a bit more or was it? I mean, on which one? Which which dressing room had the most enjoyable band? Not the best, but the most enjoyable. If I'm being honest, it, it'd be of a mix because I think when I was at Luton, that was a great dressing room because it was kind of you was we was always split up between the first team, the, the away dressing room, and the home dressing room. And what you tend to find was basically the young lads would be in the away dressing rooms, and the dinosaurs like Marv used to be in the home dressing rooms. So when you tried to go in there, get your treatment or whatever, there'd be banter flying, but. I think we were just all, we were just a bit cocky, so we'd give a, a bit of banter back and have a laugh. Um, but weirdly, the best dressing room I've been in, um, I'd say, is when I was at Boston, um, because our manager was so crazy and literally so crazy. Every day was something hilarious or someone getting battered by the gaffer for something. It, it was almost like we all come together to kind of deal with how bad he was as an individual um, as, as mad as that sounds so we had great times in the uh, Boston dressing rooms and literally you could write a book on it and when we bumped into each other from time to time we were always for telling stories because we've just got them for days so I'd say Boston was probably one of the better change rooms to be in but I will say that we had good stead from our Luton change room I remember Marv and it was actually Marv um, and this this is a genuine story I remember Marv saying to me listen make sure you enjoy your career take it in because it will go in a blink of an eye and I literally remember thinking to myself what is this granddad talking about like I'm literally 18 what, what is he talking about I've got I've got got years ahead of me and within probably 10 years I'd be saying the same to the next youngster that come through so you, you would extract things from the senior guard and then you'd actually fill it down to the youngsters coming through because as you saw your time clicking, you then realised the power of what you was being told all that time when you thought you knew it all. So yeah, both both drafts were terrific to be fair. Fantastic. And were you were you the um I assume when you were coming through they still had you were still cleaning the boots and stuff for the pros. Um what did they match keepers with keepers? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, when I um, was at Luton, I was lucky with my jobs, to be fair. I think I, I was on balls and I used to do Julian James's boots. Um, I used to do Richard Harvey and I used to do Young and Summer. Um, his size 15 boots, that probably took a two men just to pick them up. Um, but to be fair, Jurgs was brilliant because he cleaned his own boots, so you never really had to clean them. Um 
Richard Harvey was the same. He'd pretty much done his own and you might have to give him the odd buff. It was only Julian James who never cleaned his boots. But Marv will tell you, he was such a hard nut. He didn't care if his boots were half clean, half dirty, cold, wet. He just put them on like they were his slippers. So I had quite an, uh, an easy ride. I remember some looking at some of the lads and they really had to go to town on people's boots and getting the white spirit and taking off the Adidas sign. I didn't have to put up with any of that. So it was great for me. Who was the worst one then? Who was the, who was the main one for the dressing room? Uh, Mitchell. Mitchell Thomas. Mitchell, yeah. Mitchell would Burley. always be there. Yes. Burley. 100% Mitchell. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Just clean boots or just because he liked the fact that somebody was cleaning his boots for him? Do you know what, to be fair, as much as I say that about Mitch, you know, I think if I remember correctly, um, Ian, when I was a second year, I think when the first year was there, I think I remember Liam George doing his boots, if I remember correctly. Um but Mitchell was one of those guys where you didn't know whether he was coming or going with Mitch because one day he'll be all right with you and then another day he'd be kind of like a moody kind of Mitchell, kind of not giving a time of day. But Mitchell had a funnier way of also kind of looking out for your best interest by kind of saying, no, nah, you ain't arrived. He arrived, here's my boots, get them sorted. And as I said, Luton as a grounding, um, and I look at the Prem now, I look at all the youngsters, we're so wet because a lot of them didn't have that ground. They didn't have to go through that kind of stuff that we had to get through. I mean, that was one of the biggest reasons why I think I turned pro, because there was no way I was going to go through all that nonsense to not get a pro at the end of it. So you, you took you took what you needed to take out of it, even even in the bad times. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. But you, you see it almost as, like, I've got to get through this, and now I'm going to get through it, I'm going to go pro. It's an interesting point. Yeah, yeah we digress. We'll move across to your. We'll go back to your best eleven. So yeah. we'll go to left wing back. Um, clue. This geezer. This geezer actually should be eighty four. He just seems like he, he plays forever. Um, plays out and out left back. Really, he, he has played centre half, but he's an out and out left back. Um, um, absolute. Should be an easy one. Is he, really. Is he? Is he? Is he got red hair? Yes. I love. Did you say Louis? Did yeah. you say Dean Lewis? Uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, Louis, fantastic, fantastic guy, fantastic player, absolute spot on. I'm sorry, it, it cut out. Who did you say it was? Dean Lewin. Dean Lewin. Yeah. Dean The MK Don's legend. Yeah, he must be. Good he lad. must be the record holder, surely, of the period. Yeah, he, he seemed more. Of, he seemed like he's played two thousand games, and he, he hasn't changed in his appearance, his his physique. He just seems like he goes on and on. Um, I've got a lot of time for Louis. Louis was a good pro to work with, be around. Um, Legend off the pitch in terms of his personality. He was so laid back, but on the on the pitch he turns into a different beast. Um, again, another captain. If you see my side, all winners and leaders, and he fits the mould perfectly to give us that bit of solid base on the left hand side. Yep, and he can Good get player. up and down, get up and down yep. easy. Absolutely. So, what would you say? The, I, know, I know it sounds really stupid now, but some people who may listen to this that aren't full on football fans, what's because in the modern day game, the fullbacks have to come up and down so much anyway. You think of people like Andy Robertson, Alexander Arnold, um, Reese James. They that's what they're expected of them. So what's the difference between that and a wing back? I don't think there's much difference. Even when we didn't play wing backs, I always looked at the two critical areas on the pitch for me were your two full backs and your two wide men. Um, your, your wide men needed two lungs and then another lung to go with the two lungs that they already got because you expected them to go both boxes. And I think it's the same with uh, your, your full-back stroke wing-backs. You, you want them to join in. You want them to get 2 v ones You want them to run around the outside. But, of course, you need them to defend as well. Um, 
so for me, it's a massive, a massive position for me because I think the, the modern day fullback, you only got to look Trent at Liverpool. Um, he's up the pitch. He's, 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 he's assisting most of their goals from fullback position, which is, it sounds crazy, but that's as, as fit and as good as they need to be in this modern day. No, yeah, it's because obviously management and you pick those wing backs. Um, so we'll move into central midfield. Are you going to go for the yeah. man you're going to play with? No, because he's not in my midfield. He's a part of my midfield, but he's playing in the 10. So I'll do, I'll do my two sitter midfielders first. Okay. Um, first one, funny guy, tenacious on the ball, captain, leader, could hit a diagonal, could score a free kick, took no nonsense, took no prisoners, just a pleasure to have in the park and uh, someone you would always want in the team. Okay. Central midfielders. I'm going to go for... Did, you play, did Trollope play central midfield? Who? Tom Who? Trollope. Nah, Trolls was too nice. Too nice to get in my team. He was Trolls. All right, so you've gone for a full-on hard man. A hard yeah. man, you say? Yeah, hard man. man. This is so easy. Did Luton have any hard men? I'm not thinking that. I'm trying to think. When did you leave? 2000. I'll play like this. Just remember, Marv, I left in, I want to say, 2000. 2001. 2001, um, but I went back for a small spell. Kevin Nichols. Yeah. You come on. back. Yeah. You come back. That's right. See, Marv, you've got to do your research. I did it. You come back. I think you did it. Yeah, listen. <laughs> 95 to 95, you was to 01, and then you came back in, what was it? Um, Marv, you're wrong again. 94 to 01. So how come you came back? I don't know what it's going on. How come um, you came back? back? I can't remember how I come back. I don't know what happened at the time. I just remember it might have been someone like, I can't remember who was there. Rob Beck was there. Brady was there. I can't remember who else was there, but I know somebody was injured, whatever had happened. Marlon um, Barrett could have been there yet or not? I can't remember. I know, I know it might have been Embo. Embo possibly could still have been there, but um, I know Newley and McArthur were still there at the time. Um, and I, I think in the end, I'm, I may have even been on the bench for the game um, that I come in to help out and cover for a short period. And they had, they had no experience at the time. And the young kids were doing well, but obviously you probably needed a bit of uh, guidance, even in training, you know, you know, before a match, et cetera. So I had a short, brief spell um, back at the club for a short period. Yeah. I mean, what's it like as a player to go to, to, go to a number of clubs for such a short period of time? Is it difficult to get momentum to get to know the lads or not really I think um, when I left Luton I went to Chesterfield and I had an unbelievable um, season at Chesterfield in fairness uh, played every game player of the year I was flying um, and I should I signed a new deal and it kind of got a little bit messy um, because my old manager who took me there went to Bradford and they won the championship at the time and he was trying to sign me and it was kind of like he kind of put me in a state where I had I was not focused on where, where I should have been, which was my my, my club, because I was looking at the big fish, um, and that kind of gave me a, that moment where I probably travelled from club to club as a bit of a disrailment because I ended up um, getting paid up by Chesterfield, although I just signed a new deal because they were a little bit disappointed that my head was kind of turned elsewhere. Um, but that that's normal for any young young player that's probably not been advised correctly at the time. And, you know, I was looking to play as high high as I possibly could. And it was an opportunity that may, as a goalkeeper, not have come round again. Um, outside of that, 
clubs that I've played for, I've, I've gone to get first team games or first team minutes. And, and to be totally frank, uh, Marv didn't do this because he was Mr. Loyal. And if Marv had done this, he would be super rich. But Marv stayed at Luton for as long as I can remember. I think he, I think John Buttle just beat him, <laughs> being one of the longest servants. But I kind of also remembered that my career was a career and it was about making money. Um, and, I, and that sounds bad to say that, but we all go to work to make money. And with this short career it was, I always done what, suited me financially as well as playing and somehow in football the rest just moulds together so I've travelled to so many different places and places where I, I thought I would never travel to um, but there was key decisions around all those decisions that I make I don't really regret any um, and that was that Yeah, Mark, thank you for your honesty it, and I think that sometimes mixed, people see the players as the Premier League players who are making half a million a week they don't actually realise that further down the the league ladder, this is a job and it's almost what you're throwing yourself into and it's good that these days they get a lot of education and learning, they all force them yeah. to go to school and, and you know I mean, they get um, MBQs or whatever they're, whatever they're called these days Yeah, that type of stuff, so that's really good for them because once they leave football, they almost they got nothing. Absolutely absolutely, I mean Marv will tell you I think I was probably, I started my business when I was um, nearly getting ready to retire but I still probably had two three years in the game but the business retired me rather than my body um, and I think Marv would have been around me and Marv were pretty much quite close in in when my business first started so I did spend a lot of time with Marv in fairness but Marv probably seen how hard I work now you know even now I run three businesses I run a fleet department for a different company that's nothing to do with my business but had we earned this big money that everyone believes that we we do, then I'd be sitting on some beach in Barbados with a big fat Cuban on, loving life. But most of us um, that didn't play at the very pinnacle, you, you, you got to think life of the football. And we have to work no different to anybody else. And hence why sometimes at that level we played, um, yeah, you did have to go at times for the financial opportunities just to give you that kickstart in life. Because you have to always remember we're starting that new job a lot later than somebody that done it when they lost uni, college, school, what have you. Yeah, oh, definitely. It's true. Definitely. So next to Kev Nichols, who have we got as the next holder? I've got a very, very similar mould player um, to Kevin, to be fair. I think he had pretty much the same attributes as Kevin. Um, I think he was arguably technically slightly better than Kev but they were very, very similar and hence why they're my two holders because they could spray the ball around the park for fun, but they also popped up with goals. And he was an international. He was. He was an international. What, full international? Yeah. Oh, I like that, Michael. <laughs> I've done David Noble. Nobles was an unbelievable player. I'll tell you no lies. Nobles was probably one of, one of the most underrated players that fell out of the, you know, a young pro at Arsenal um, Nobes had terrific ability he would just love to drink and he was lazy yeah. but I love Nobes I can say that because Nobes is a good mate of mine so yeah. who else made it an international you said Tony yeah Marvie the, the guy's definitely an international I didn't make it up he's definitely an international oh. similar mould uh, Kevin Nick. that is so easy similar, similar mould I don't know when the player is there problems today he played with was Keith Andrews still at Already left. Andrews, was it? it was, yeah, Keith Andrews. It is? There we go. Him? Well yeah, done, yeah, Andrew. Andrew, well lovely. Done. That was on for you, buddy. Well done. 
I was going to say, um, yeah, I remember when I was thinking of Stephen Gleason, but he's not the same mould as yeah. Nico. You know, he's, I'll tell you who else I had. I had, um, do you remember Richard Chaplow, who used to play for Burnley? Yeah. He, Chappie was nearly in there, but I went for that. As I said, I'm, 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 I'm a team full of men and leaders, Marth, only. Right. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate so that. He was, he was for, I, I wasn't sure when you were around there, because I know he went to, did Pauline take him to Blackburn? Blackburn, yeah. that's right, yeah. 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 Very, Absolutely. very good. He's one of the players we took with him. And, and, and Andrews came through the, he kind of came up with, not with him, because he wasn't there that long, but do you know what I mean? He kind of came up through MK Dons and, and got that chance. And where, is, where did Andrews finish after Blackburn? I think he finished at Blackburn, to be fair, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah great player, great holder. And as you say, battler, real battle, yeah. um, which I think will allow your flair player in number 10 to, to do their thing if you've got these battlers behind. But you don't want to do disrespect to Kevin and Keith because they're both ballers as well when they're given the chance to. They, they, the, my team holders will give the licence to my special number 10. I mean, don't special get me wrong, my number, number 10, my, my, my number 10 doesn't need to, need them to be behind him in fairness, but that's another story. Yeah. We'll move on to that number 10 then. Go on then. Let's move on to him. Mark, the only clue I'm giving you on this, this one. The easiest this is the easiest get in the world. This is easy. If Marv's yeah. done his research, this is easy. The only clue I'm giving you is world class. Yep. World class. I haven't said that about any other player in my side, but this player, world class. I'm putting his name down already. Oh, go on then, Andrew. Do you play with him at Boston? Yeah. So he didn't play for that long? Correct. And he's from up that neck of the woods? Mm, not sure. Hasn't he got a jolly accent? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Marvin, Hello. Marv, you don't, Marv, do you not know? No, Marv, Marv, I swear to you, I'm about to shut my laptop. Um, and <laughs> Shearer, no. I'm joking, it, Peter Beasley. No, <laughs> <laughs> what he loves a good cry. Keep freezing, you two, Marv. He went by the nickname for a period of G8. What you keep freezing. Nickname, he went by the nickname for a little while of G8. You can, you froze it again. Always back. Me for really obvious ones, not getting them. He always has a good old giggle. No, I do have a giggle. Go on, go. I, I, I've lost it. Paul I keep freezing. Like, huh? Paul Gascoigne. Yep, my main man Gazza. Yeah, I, I assume that's therefore your funniest person in football. Correct. <laughs> no one funnier than Gazza. <laughs> I was reading that's old, old game. Marv, I actually can't remember. I can't remember how old he was, but I remember when he came here. It was so funny. I remember when he came here, and we had these rumours that Gazza was signing, and it was pre-season, and he come in and he looked gaunt. He looked. He didn't look like Gazza. He just looked like he was weathered away. And I remember he was okay. sat right next to me. No, next to me, and one of the lads come in and, and kind of said, "Paul Gascoigne, they're having a laugh," but didn't realise that Gazza was sat right beside me because he looked so different. And we were all like. He's still doing the twig like starts, starts hammering Gaza. <laughs> and Gaza sat right beside us. <laughs> so Gaza gets up and, like you just said, just started crying. He was just a mess at that point. Gaza was just a mess, but he was in the best shape of his life. He was ripped like you wouldn't believe. And that's why he looked so gaunt. But it was great to have about the place, um, banter for fun, especially working under Steve Evans, which is a, a hard manager to, to work under. Um, and Gaz was the kind of guy, you know, they used to serve us proper slop at, at um, 
lunchtime and make us pay for it. You know, it, it was bad, Mark. It was no. really bad. And I remember Gazza one day said, right, lads, two seconds, back two seconds. He zooms off in his car about half an hour and he comes back carrying about 15 trays of pizza. <laughs> he got up to the local. We ain't eating that crap. And literally, the manager could say nothing. It's Paul Gascoigne. <laughs> um, so... Gaza in, Gaza in your camp was uh, absolute legendary and to, and to also be around somebody who was an idol to most people and an absolute legend mm-hmm. um, you know sometimes you don't get those moments in football so that was a nice one for us no that's fantastic what was the best goal he scored against you in training did he did he did he, make, did he take the mick out of you once or twice to be fair, he didn't really because I didn't train much at that point because I, I was nursing two broken fingers, like literally back-to-back months. Um, but I do remember there was a period where Gazzle wasn't playing. And don't ask me why Gazzle weren't playing. And I remember on my life, we started doing 11 v 11. Marv would say about 11 v 11. There's no players really like them. They're quite boring, but they have to be done. And I think at the time, I must have been the only goalkeeper there. And Steve Evans actually put Gazza in goal for the 11 v 11. So we used to train on some, I can only call it a park. Then you've got me one end and you've got Gaza the other end. <laughs> That's as bad as it was. So <laughs> it didn't really happen. Was he any good? Yeah, he just, he, I just give him a pair of gloves and he, off he went. He, he loved it. But we can, you know, we can understand it. You know, it was, uh, for us, it was disrespectful. It's like putting Messi in goal. Um, it's not, it's not um, heard of. But I remember Steve dropping him once because me and Gaza were playing one-twos on the edge of the box because Steve wanted me to smash it and Gazza just wanted to play, just loved the ball. And then when, when Gazza's coming into an eight-yard box to get the ball off you, it's hard not to give him the ball, it's Gazza. Yeah. So I used to get bashed by the manager one ear or bashed by Gazza the other ear if I weren't rolling it out to him. Was there, was, there, um, was there a noticeable difference in terms of still with Gazza compared to the other players in that league at that time, even though he was definitely towards the end of his career? Oh, yeah, massive. Literally, he, he, his brain was... 20 yards in front of players. It got to the point where players just usually just try and smash him. There's only way they got close to him was just trying to smash him. And you almost felt sorry for him at times because he took some heavy knock, some of it his fault because he's showboating or having the ball for too long. But he was just so, so advanced. And you could see a massive gob between the elite um, and kind of uh, an average level of football, standard of football. Because at the time, I think it was League Two football. So it wasn't the best and it wasn't the worst. Interesting. So we've got Gaza there providing providing the strikers, and up front your strikers are big striker, Marv. Big, big striker. striker, big striker, tall, horrible, all elbows. Oh, there's so many you've played with. Yeah, I, I this was a tough one for me, Mark. This, it really was. Yeah. This was this was a bad one for me. Um, I just I went with on this striker. I went with. I was having a tear up. And I watched this guy have many tear-ups on the pitch and in the tunnel. Who I would have want in my side? And this, he made my number nine for this reason alone. Gentle giant off the pitch, and I mean gentle giant, as good as they come. But on the pitch, you're definitely going out with a few black eyes. Um, Morrison. No, I'll give you a clue. He used to take a lot of stick in his. All right, all right, all right, all right. Jason Lee, yeah. Big Jay Lee, old pineapple head. Yeah, yeah, Jason was a great. Good boy, good lad. Yeah. Got goals for us, held the ball up, winner. He's a great player. Great player. Played obviously at top level with Boris. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Boris, yeah. 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 So he held the ball up. Um, is that something you preferred as a keeper? Did you were you told to play it to somebody's head, their chest, or you know what? That, you know, we play, get rid of it. Yeah, we played quite direct under Steve Evans and 
as a goalkeeper, to be fair, as I got through my career, my, one of my weeks was kicking became one of my strengths because it's all I ever done. Um, but when you had someone like Jace Lee as a target, I could hammer in because I'd be putting balls within, you know, a yard of him and sometimes he weren't dealing with it. So he, he took the banter well. So if I wanted to hammer him, he'd, he'd let me hammer it. Because if I put one off the park out of 25, the manager would be on my case. But he was such an easy target to hit and he just looked after the ball. And because he was so big, you could almost kind of clip balls to his chest for him to retain for you rather than ask him to flick a ball on. Um, but Jay had a mixture of knowing when to flick it, when know when to look after it. And, you know, he, he scored he scored goals. Um, so, yeah, Jay was a, a good strength for us uh, and probably suited our style of play as well at the time. Yeah, no, fantastic player. Fantastic player. And next to Jason Lee was? Is it a little man or is it another big man? Marv, I was going to go for little man. I, I tell you coming to my head, um, Dwight Marshall. Poor Forpy oh. coming to my head. Forpy was clever, sharp. He used to distract people and then be gone. Um, it was coming to my head. There's quite a few people that coming to my head. Dozer had that spell. Gary Dockett, even before he went to Spurs, when yeah. he had up front and kept bagging. Um, Gabby Adini played him at Northampton. Yeah, yeah. He, he came into my head. So with the strikers, I had Stephen so many Moore. different... Stefan Moore, Luke Knight. Sorry, not like Leon Knight. Um, there were so many strikers, Aaron Wilbraham, a lot of forwards that could have easily Mark Steen, you know, the list is endless. So I'm not going to sit here. Maybe and read Jermaine Easter. Well, Jermaine Easter was quick. Hey? Jermaine Easter yes, was quick yeah. as well. Yeah, Jermaine Easter was quick. He, he was a good finisher. Um, well, who you but I, this is this is gonna be hard. I'm torn between two Marth, right? Two, but I'm gonna tell you why. Not one mention one. No, I've not mentioned on. one. I'm going to mention okay. one of them, not because he was my brother, he was my brother. So I had the privilege of doing something that not many brothers do, play professional for number one and then play in the same team. Um, and then we played against each other a few times. But one thing Z had that I didn't ever see any forward have was he had unbelievable hang time. Um, so when, you, when yeah. uh, Andrew said about having a target, you could put a ball anywhere and he'll definitely flick it in for someone, a, a little man. He needed a the big man and little man combo to flick them in. But this guy that I've gone for was an absolute unit. As a kid, he was a unit and he had a great career. Um, he had a great career and he was just an absolute animal. Unit. And uh, that's where I'm going to leave you. Unit, Marv. The animal confuses me because I could have gone... He was just horrible. Julian Joachim, but he's not a unit. What? No, not Jockey. Jockey was a no. bit forward. Not jockey. Yeah. What about um? Oh, what's his name? Akin Frenkwa. <laughs> Akin Frenkwa. No, I thought you were going to say Chris Cormier then. <laughs> oh, you say Boncho uh, Gentev. Another one. Was <laughs> <laughs> he an animal? It was funny. <laughs> was Boncho not an animal? <laughs> yeah. No, no. Boncho was just a good free kick taker. Um. Yeah, Boncho's funny. Leo Fortune West. Leo Fortune West. No. Animal, you said. Marv, you surprised me with this one. So is he big or small? Can you say animal? Big. He's big. He's a unit. Big. He's big. Okay. Steve Howard. That's not a bad shout, but Howie was one of my other toss-ups. Absolute legend. Yeah, I, legend. I thought Howie was... It's not Howie. Howie was back. close. Ooh, went back. And Howie was amazing when you went back. Yeah. It weren't Howie. He was a unit. Marv, this is so easy. Was it? It wasn't. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I've gone to. I was going too deep. 
the, with the research, I was thinking of the likes of um, Tori Andy Flo, um, Punching, all those guys you play. I was thinking of them guys, see? I was going um, down, Lee, Lee Tomlin. Lee Tomlin, yeah, not a good player. Um, yeah, Aaron O'Connor. Aaron O'Connor was a great player. He was a very good player. It was actually, he was a good player. It might be a technicality on this because... Um, there we go. Here we go. Here's the small print. Here's the small print. There's always small print. You didn't play with him. You didn't play with him. I knew it. You're no, 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 no. We're definitely at the same club. That won't be in question. I don't know if we ever played in the same team. Right. Um, the same 11. But it's still right. easy, Mark. This is still easy for you. This is not something that you should be struggling with. You, you're actually disappointing me. Right, Mark? Enoch. No, it weren't Enoch, to be fair. Enoch was a good shout. Good shout. Yeah. Not really good shout. Um, you, yeah, that's the thing that keeps growing me. A unit. Unit. Marvin. International. International as well. Full international. Oh, um, um, country. Mick Harford. That'd be too easy. Not Mick. Uh, that that would be country. a big thing. Well, if I say the country, you'll get unit. it. No, um, I don't say the country. No, but that's interesting. If you say the country, you'll get it. Yeah, it's a unit though. He's trying to think. Like, that's throwing me. The unit, absolute unit. He's going like an out. He played. Unit. He played also in the prem. I don't know. You might have played with people like Ricardo Fuller. I, I hope he's. I, I hope he doesn't watch this. By the way, Marth. Go on. Go on. Go on. Played for West Ham. Played for Arsenal. Oh, John Hartson. Yeah. Big. What's that? Bongo. You like to start your career. Bongo. Bongo. Oh, yeah, you, okay. you know, that's what... Hey? We do our research. We do proper research. It's like who you play with. We go through the games. We look at, I've we look played, at stats. I've time. played with Bongo many times, mate. I, I mean, where, where do you want to go with this? Like, played with him in training, played with the reserves. <laughs> <laughs> played with 11 v 11s. Okay. Okay. We, yeah. Johnny. It was only right that I finished with a, another Luton legend as Luton was the first club I started at. And right. John was uh, a young lad, as I was a young lad, um, going through the system, um, although he was a lot older than me at the time. It was it was the only right thing to do, Moff. And to throw a little curveball in there. Yeah. No, you did. You did well. You did well. Good option. Great player. And of course, went on yeah. to fantastic... You talk about careers. I mean, yeah. he's still seen as a legend at Celtic at um, well, West Ham. He's pretty much everywhere he went. I think this is the way he played. Arsenal, yeah. It's the way he played, I think. Heart on sleeve, and maybe to a certain extent, because all the stuff he's gone through um, to do with the, the cancer, maybe even endeared him to a lot of people even more. Yeah, very true. Very true. A great player. Great so, team. Yeah, so, so which manager then? Which manager you, you played under, or are you going to leave this 11? Outside of myself. Evan. Yeah, outside Evan. Yourself, my, yeah. My manager, I don't tell you the manager's going to be. Yeah. Let's guess. With Steve Evans. Oh. No. <laughs> Marv. Well, who did you, say? did you say? Steve Evans? Did you say John Steve Moore. Evans? I said Steve Evans first. Johnny, John Moore's my assistant. Okay. Lenny. Yeah. Lenny. Lenny. Lenny gave Lenny. everyone a chance to become men. And he and did. you always have to, you have to respect him for that. Lenny had his own quirky way of managing the side and he, he, he was successful doing it at many clubs and he gave the likes of the youngsters a chance to excel where 
some managers were old school and didn't give people that opportunity. And for the likes, without the likes of Lenny, some of the youngsters that we see now or went on to have a great career possibly wouldn't have. No, it was true. Definitely. So, Lenny's Lenny's and he gave you his debut. Just talk us through your debut with Lenny. Because um, it was, was it Lenny or Terry Wesley gave you debut? Um, it was definitely Lenny. Um, How did it happen? Just talk us through it. I can't remember how it happened, to be fair. It was a Coca-Cola Cup. We played Colchester at home. I think we won 2-1. Memory serves me correctly. That was my home debut. Um, My away debut came away at Burnley. I think at the time, Steve Davis had gone back to Burnley or was at Burnley. um, Had not long left us. Um, And then my league debut came in the season under Lenny. Um, I was at Belgium at the time, actually, and I'd come back to Luton. I'd already signed for a club out there. And we sold Kelvin to uh, Wimbledon, uh, the old-fashioned Wimbledon. And there was an opportunity for me to come back. And I remember making my official league debut against Notts County um, under Lenny. Um, and, you know, Lenny stuck through me, even through the bad times, Lenny stuck um, stuck by me. I think I played 40 back-to-back games in my first season. And in paper, that was my worst ever season as a, as a pro. Um, but I, when I look back and you, you, you then remember things, I remember thinking, well, actually, 40 back games out of 46. Um, in, that was obviously League and Cup. That wasn't a bad start to go 40 back-to-back games in your first season. And to be fair, without Lenny, that probably wouldn't have been possible. Yeah. No, and I remember back then being a fan, you were getting a fair whack of abuse from the fans, um, from yeah. the Luton fans. Uh, a, a few games, I remember a couple um, of those games you were getting. And from the home fans, Going out the keeper, your own keeper. That that must be that must be quite hard. Yeah, it was hard, but I think it also uh, put me in good stead uh, when I was at Luton Marvel. Probably tell you when I was a kid growing up through the youth team reserve. One of my strengths was crossing, taking crosses. Um, in the youth team, I'd take crosses on the penalty spot, eight and yard box. Same with the reserves. The difference is when you try and do that first team level. If you drop one and they score and you lose one nil, you've lost three points. And all those fans that have come to see you are now fuming. And what I found was, um, as I came more nervously for crosses, then you're more susceptible to drop some. And I had a period where I had a rough ride. Um, I remember it clearly. And then naturally, what you do with your human mind, because now points are at stake, the crowd, which is Luton crowd, that's why I love playing at Kenny, because it's such a tight atmosphere. It's so volatile for, for when they're on your side, playing against other sides, but also detrimental when it's your own supporters. You then start creeping back on your line, saying away, 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 away because you don't want to make that mistake and let anybody down. Um, and I had a season of that where I felt like I didn't want to come for stuff. And I remember pausing for that season. I remember my goalkeeping coach, Malcolm, reminding me of what I did well. And then I went back to in my, the rest of my career and the rest of my years, I just went back to doing what I do, taking crosses and you win some, you lose some and you, you kind of zone all that out. So whilst, yeah, it, it probably didn't affect me mentally, it's something that... I always remember as my worst season. And I remember playing against Bristol Rovers, I think it was, at home. Um, and I got hammered. I got booed off at half-time. I was woeful. Um, but I, I shouldn't have played. Um, and again, when, when you're young, you don't know these things. And I was injured. I declared myself injured Thursday. That's not me making excuses. I've never told a story. Um, and Lenny was like, no, you've got to play. You've got to play. And I played. Had an absolute stinker, and then he hammered me in the press. <laughs> and I thought to myself, <laughs> the first time, <laughs> first time I thought Lenny had let me down because he knew I wasn't fit to play. But to be fair, because of the kind of character that I am, I went out in the press. I apologised to the fan. I think he was trying to get into the playoffs at that time as well. So I felt like I let everybody down. But 
I've never, I was never one to hide behind excuses. Um, you take accountability for your own kind of craftsmanship. Um, but what I did learn is when you're injured, you're injured, don't play, refuse to play. And right. as I went through my career, I just became stronger. No, I'm not doing it. Not fit to play. Or you just became your own person that you felt you could. Now, a senior player wouldn't have done that. Um, but at the time, I wasn't young enough to understand why I shouldn't do that. Um, but other than that, I had a great time of living. I've got no regrets. It kept me instead to help me have a half-decent career. Um, and like anything, you take the good bits, you take the bad bits, and that's what makes you stronger and better. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Um, Danny, Danny, Stuart Douglas told us a story at the game, but remember, Andrew, he said, like, when the referee was going to blow the whistle, and he said, I'm going to blow the whistle, I'll let you know. And he said, he was like... <laughs> <laughs> and the game was still going on and you're right off the pitch what game was that tell the story that was, that was actually that, that was Millwall at, at Millwall yeah. I'll never forget this and the referee comes in uh, before the game and says look lads obviously we expect some troubles I think we were safe Marvin I think they need to win to get in the playoffs or stay. I can't remember which way it was but he basically said look when I pick, put four minutes up it means really two so whatever I, whatever we put up, just half it. So I remember it must have been like the 91st minute and they'd put three minutes up on the boards. And I think to myself, in my head, I was thinking, why have you put three minutes? That's a minute and a half. Yeah. Why not just put a whole minute? So anyway, someone had a shot. And I remember, I remember tipping this ball so obviously around the post. And at this point, all their fans were literally right on the um, hoardings because they said they were going to have a pitch invasion. So it's blatantly a corner and the ref's given a goal kick. So I'm like, oh, you've just killed me here because they're going berserk because you've given a goal kick. So as I'm going to get the ball, they're foaming at the mouth, throwing coins, fuming. I'm thinking, oh, let me get the ball quickly. So get the ball quickly. And as I'm walk, picking up the ball to walk to the eight-year large place to take a goal kick, the referee's looking at me going, walk towards me, walk towards me, walk towards me, now run. So literally threw the ball, literally ran for, ran for my life. As I, as I was running, I remember running past Gavin McGowan. I'm thinking... Gav, you better run. And Gav was just like, just thinking, nah, I ain't going to run. And too cool to run. So I'm like legging it. Get to the tunnel. And as I look back, there's literally about 20,000 Millwall fans on the pitch. And then in the far side, about, about just before the halfway line, you see Gav and McGowan think, oh, I better get a little jog on here. And as he tries to get a jog on, one of the fans trip him up. So he must have took a few digs. And I remember a banner him after the game said, see, you was too big to run, weren't you? And he's like, oh, I should have ran, like come back all bad and bruised. <laughs> Honestly, it was, but it was moments like that, Bob, that, you know, that's why I love going to the den. It was, right. it was a horrible place to go, but you had to dig deep when you went to the den. Yeah, definitely. That's excellent. So we'd like to finish up with, um, so, you, I mean, I know what you're doing, but like, but since you stopped doing it before you stopped playing anyway your business just a little bit uh, yeah we, we started a little car business um, basically selling new cars at the time it was Marv um, as you know we looked after a lot of agents managers players um, up and down the country Prem all the way through we didn't really discriminate who we looked after it was just about giving the pros a better deal because like we said before people see pros with money and then take advantage um, literally we just give them the opportunity to buy cars without getting ripped off. Um, then we kind of filtered down into a mixture of new and used. Um, then we started looking after businesses, businesses, fleets, um, normal individuals that weren't football players. We kind of branched out to basically suit all clients. 
Uh, over the years, we took on a body shop um, and kind of do vehicle respraying. Um, so we, we, we tried to become like a one-shop stop, um, which we pretty much have achieved. And um, we, that's been fine, to be fair. Obviously, COVID hit, which made it a little bit difficult for most businesses. Um, but, you know, we, we plough on and that's what we do. And that's how we kind of chill in our spare time now. Um, outside of playing golf, it's it's now business orientated. Obviously, I was involved in management as well. So that was taking up a lot of my time. Um, so just a combination of the two things just kept me active in body and mind and also keep kept me with inside the game um dealing with players and managers it, it's all football you you always miss football when you leave football and there's no truer saying you're you're a long time mm-hmm. retired um so having the opportunity to stay within the game in some kind of capacity or being close to it has always been nice fantastic fantastic Excellent. i just want to say on behalf of myself and Mark and all the listeners thank you so much for your time um nathan I don't know, you're off to play some private side now, so good luck in your game. Yeah. Um, playing out on pitch, listeners. Yeah, cutting in like on reef. Here we go, back off the left. <laughs> playing gold inside left again, <laughs> private side. Um, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. It was awesome talking to you. And that was Nathan Abbey, my best 11. <laughs>